Hold on to your butts. This podcast is a member of the Mud Puppy Games Network. Hey, old school gamers. This is Bad Mike, otherwise known as Save, 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 here with the Save for Half podcast. Now that you've cast out the evil sorcerer and taken his treasures and searched his colon for gems, it's time for you to kick back and listen to the Safe a Half Sideshow. The Save for Half Sideshow, where it's all fun and games until somebody takes a four-sider to the eye. Welcome to the Save for Half show where nobody showed up. That's right, Mike and Liz are off at the convention and I'm here in the Save for Half studios kind of bored out of my mind and trying Soylent Green for the first time. It's pretty good stuff actually, I have to say. The secret ingredient may be well kept, but I think I know what it is. It's cinnamon. Trust me, it's fine. Anyway, this is a recording of the meeting with Mike Botolato, Bad Mike, of the, the North Texas RPG Con. So sit back. Enjoy and try some Soylent Green. It's good and good for you. Into a world without nearly enough quality gamer podcasts, they came. The Grognard Files, a podcast about role-playing games from back in the day. You know they're experts because they speak with British accents. Find them at armchairadventureblog.com, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are served. Do you live in the boring suburbs but dream of living in a lonely castle on a windswept moor? Do you long to trade in your sweatsuit for a hundred-pound suit of armor and swap your SUV for a noble stallion? Do you eat microwave dinners, all the while wishing you were roasting a suckling pig at a pagan banquet? Is your next ideal home improvement a moat? Well, get ready, Liberty City! This weekend and every weekend at Liberty City Park, it's the Medieval Millennium Fair. Our band of traveling minstrels, knights, and maidens oh so fair are ready to delight you with tales of the Black Death, witch burnings, and the joy of being a feudal serf. Forget about air conditioning and modern medicine. We've got all the leeches, spells, and potions you need at the Medieval Millennium Fair. Learn the art of cooking with turnips. Yum yum. Buy genuine reproduction medieval artifacts including maces, double-handed battle swords, and one-size-fits-all chainmail. And this weekend only, pick up an authentic mechanical Lady of the Lake in Excalibur. It's perfect for your garden pond or swimming pool. And learn how to rid your condo of vermin using a penny whistle and a mysterious prancing German named Hans. The Medieval Millennium Fair, every weekend at Liberty City Park.
And in the better late than never section of the podcast, it's our review of North Texas RPG Con 2018. And joining us is Satan himself, Bad Mike, Mike Badalato, the co-owner of the con. Co-runner. I don't think there's really anything to own except for old grognard tears and sweat. <laughs> <laughs> and the website, which will yeah, be the, the website show. from 2008. Yes, it's like as we said, it's it's retro, retro. not, not retro. old. It's, yes, it's fermented. Yeah. <laughs> Finally aged. www.ntrpgcon.com. Now we do use a modern system for registering for games, so tabletop gaming. There's a link on the site. You can go to tabletop gaming. Everything's very, very modern. Mostly. <laughs> so, the con. We actually really debauched this year because we actually showed up Wednesday. Yes, we stayed Wednesday night for the first time, all the way through Monday morning. Yeah, we were there. We were there Wednesday night when the power went out at the hotel. So you you only live 20 miles away, 30, and you've never been there on Wednesday night? No. No. Liz hates driving, Mm -hmm. especially in Dallas. Why don't you just drive then? You should just drive and go, oh, hey, (laughs) Texas gave me my license back. (laughs) I think that's great. Which explains why Liz doesn't like to drive around here. Exactly. (laughs) No, but really, I don't like to drive very much. So it's truly ironic that I drive everywhere. I used to drive her everywhere before the car accident. And I I really don't like driving around Dallas, etc. at night. So once it gets dark, it's like, nope, I'm not going anywhere unless it's an emergency or it's really, really close. (laughs) We hung out with people, chatted a bit, went back to the room, and basically got a surprise when the power went out. Yeah, that was a a new added feature. Now, we didn't charge anybody for that. (laughs) Oh, well, good. (laughs) Now, here's the irony. Of the two of us, I was the one with the flashlight in my backpack. But a (laughs) bump. Yeah. Hey, I had a little pin light connected to my key ring. But yeah, for the actual flashlight, Mike had one packed in his in his bag, and I didn't. <laughs> Be prepared for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> well, we had well that it was very hot this year at the con, and the Westin, which is a very nice hotel, we've never had any problems there. They just got overloaded. I guess everybody cranking their their free AC down to sixty degrees in their rooms, and so yeah. we had a power outage of about. I don't know how long, 30 minutes? Yeah, it wasn't that long. It was maybe half an hour, yeah. I was in the bar. The bar still served booze, so that worked out okay. Yeah, (laughs) it was more of an amusing incident than any real problem. And then, of course, that's where we saw Corbett, cunningly dressed as Lieutenant Victory Alcon. He personally went to the Transformer and used the powers of his sacred bands to reconnect the electricity. That was really cool of you, Corbett. We appreciate it. I, I stayed invisible the rest of the con, though. Yeah, oh well. no! Oh no! We saw you at several other things. We're going to talk about. Oh no! <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was pretty much Wednesday. Ironically, we didn't actually game much this weekend. Well, well Wednesdays are so. For those who don't know, Wednesdays are free night. If you want to try out the con, you can come Wednesday. It's free. Pretty much mostly pickup games. Although we do at this point, we have a lot of things scheduled. We only have a limited amount of rooms. So we don't have the full complement of rooms until starting Plus on Wednesday. Plus, it's kind of board games too, isn't it? Yeah, we, we, it's more of a board game that there's some um, role-playing games. I think 
uh, Bill Barsh runs one of his tournament games then. But for most part, it's board games and just stuff we don't normally run during the con because we're almost exclusively an RPG convention. So we try to, uh, all our scheduled events are nearly all RPG related. We don't, yeah. we don't have any board games, card games, anything like that. So Wednesday night's the perfect night to run something like that because it's free and everybody just comes in. You can just sit down and you know, run whatever you want at the table. Yeah, we thought about getting into Bill Barsh's game, but later we decided, nah, we'll just take it easy. Because this con, we wanted to make sure we actually had time to visit with people. Yeah, the year before, we packed our schedule so tightly that we were spending pretty much the whole weekend just running from game to game, and we barely got to hang out with anybody. How dare you have fun. You can always fill in the blanks, but it's... It's hard to pull out of a game without telling the GM, hey, I can't play your game, because a lot of times they need you in that game. Yeah. Right. What was that, Corbett? Oh, how dare you have fun. How dare you? <laughs> We're not here to have fun. We're here to play a play game. A game. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, I, mean, I ran my victorious game Friday night, and as usual, we had camera problems, so our attempt to videotape it once again went down the tubes. Well, we did get video. We just, just no didn't audio. Get any audio. <laughs> it's like a silent movie. I'm going to send over my 14-year-old grandson next time. Oh my god. Having such a camera because he that's who I hand my device to whenever there's something not wrong and 3 seconds later he hands me back and it's working. So Well, the thing is, I set it up and I did a very brief test recording to make sure everything was working. And for that 30-second test recording, we had both camera and sound. So I assumed everything was great. I turned it back on and just let it run for the rest of the time. And for whatever reason, there was no sound on the quote-unquote real recording. But the 30-second test I did beforehand had sound. So I don't know what the hell I did. As far (laughs) as I know, I didn't do anything differently to the settings. I just turned it on, played it, and then turned it on again. But, but Liz, the big question really is, why do you want to sabotage Mike's game so bad? (laughs) Yeah, because the prior year, I mean, we had sound, but it sounded like everybody was talking out of a toilet. Well, that was inevitable. We were in a really huge room, and it wasn't buffered in any way. You've got sound bouncing off the walls, and you just got a lot of acoustic. Right, but be that as it may. Yeah, we had the victorious game Friday night, and then we played in Taco John's D&D game Saturday night, AD&D, where he was playtesting a friend's uh, soon-to-be-published module, which was cool. But for the most of the time, we just wandered around and visited with people. And that's pretty fun. I, I, I go to Gary Con and Gen Con, I mean, not Gary Con and Game Hole Con every year, and I don't, I, last year, I actually played, this guy played two games at, at Gary Con, which is odd for me. They're both games that Somebody dropped out and they need somebody to fill in. But for the most part, I don't schedule anything because I, I just like to press the flesh, and meet people, and check out the vendor room and talk to the legends of the game and just mm-hmm. hang out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we picked up some cool stuff. We finally got a box set of that game Dungeon-esque because it sounded interesting. I picked up, was it Pace Setter that had all those miniatures? Uh, yeah, Bill Barsh's. They l- almost had every single monster from Monster Manual or Monster Manual 2. On that damn shelf. They didn't have a Catablephus, which really kind of disappointed. But Such a high demand for that one, too. Oh, sure, sure. Exactly. (laughs) The Dungeon-esque is by Stan Chin, and I found out something interesting that Ethan Stan did not know. What Dungeon-esque is, it's an old-school 
remake of the fifth edition rules. And it, they, right. There's two versions: a white box version and a red box version. Uh, one's meant to resemble BCMI, one's meant to resemble ODD. Well, that that is Steve Winter's preferred rule system for when he runs 5e. Ah. Yeah, we got the white box version. Steve likes it because it's the 5th edition rules, but it's really stripped down version. So if anybody's interested in something like that, you might look for that because Stan didn't even know that. Steve told me that, and I told Stan he flipped out. He couldn't believe that that was Steve Winter's (laughs) system for running 5e. If it's good enough for Steve Winter, it's good enough for you. If you're going to play 5e, do it dungeon-esquely. But yeah, we picked up that. uh, He had a frog hemoth there at the table. That I was so tempted to get, but it was that's, sixty bucks. That's a nice frog hemat too. Oh, it was awesome. He had Tiamat too, and it was like one hundred and seventy-five. He was trying to talk me into it. I was like, "Well, but I mean, it's great and all, but what am I going to do with it? I mean, when do you use Tiamat in a game? Once? It's a campaign ender. ender. Yeah, it's my campaign yeah. ender. I need Tiamat. <laughs> Once is all you need. <laughs> <laughs> so. I didn't get that. I did get the devil Glacia from Monster Manual 2. And if you guys remember the picture of her in there, you probably know why. Hubba hubba. Yeah, yeah. Even had 80s big hair, too. I was I was really impressed. Well, she was in a metal band for a while. And, you know, just didn't yeah, well, out. he had a flump. I mean, flump. Miniature flumps. That's just awesome. All right. Well, Thursday, Liz. Talk about Thursday. Thursday. Well, we hung out. Didn't do a whole lot on Thursday other than just visiting with people. Your friend Ben came in Thursday late afternoon. I I left you two alone and went up to barge in on Bad Mike's B1 game Thursday evening. And then I I intentionally didn't sign up for a game so that he and I could hang out. He Mm. crashed at (laughs) 7. What a lousy buddy. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, worst wingman ever. Uh, Just, dude. Ah. So, yeah, I'm just kind of, all right, well, sit around and read a book or something. While Liz is gaming. Yeah, all right, it was great because uh, usually my B1 game is really full and we have to jam other people in there. It's about 10 people. And this time, two people did not show up, which is perfect. So Liz moved into a spot there and got to experience the whole adventure. It was awesome. That's right. And I died. I think I died, but yes, it was at the, it was at the very end. So I made it to the end, then the final battle, and I got killed. But it was all right. <laughs> there's there's no it's a con character. I always love it when people are really protective of their con characters. <laughs> I, I I remember playing a Tower of Gygax in, at Gen Con about ten years ago, and the whole point of that dungeon was to die. And then when you died, somebody took your place at the table. And it was amazing how people hung on to their characters. Like, no, I don't want my con character to die. And we're like, <laughs> dude, die so somebody else can play. That's the whole point. I'm going to be very careful. I'm going to go run around here. I'm not getting into combat. I'm going to go hide over here. Like, no, no, yeah. no, no. I'm not touching anything. I'm yeah. not eating or drinking anything. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. You see, that's the reverse of the con people I get when I run games. The ones I get are like, woohoo, jump in there, throw, you know, throw dynamite sticks into the next room, you know, set fire to this balcony while we're on it. Woo. It doesn't matter. Wow. Yeah, pretty much. Drink from the random pools in the room. It's yeah. okay. 
No, drink from all of them. Well, you can't drink from all of them because sooner or later you're going to get one that kills you and then you don't get to drink from the rest. Ah, but drink but from as see, many as you can. You get a water skin and put a little bit from each pool in there, shake it up, and then drink it. Yeah. <laughs> sort of a monkey moonshine kind of magic pool. So you run your B1 with, is it Mulve Basic? Yeah, BX, yeah, BX. I, I've been doing yeah. that for eight years now, and I started doing it because I was asking people, because I didn't run anything the first couple of years, and I was like, and I started looking at our schedule, like, nobody's running any classic stuff. Now, that's changed now. We get a lot of classic dungeons being run. And so I, I was asking hey. people, have you ever played in B1, B2? This Like, nope, nope, never played those. Nope, never played those. I was like, that's crazy. I'd run B1 like maybe 30, 40 times. I ran Holmes, the basic D&D, the first couple of years. Yeah, but it wasn't on Thursday. Well, no. So. <laughs> you ran yeah. home the first year. Which yeah, that was Saturday or Sunday, I think. I can't remember which one, in that little closet. Uh, it was Sunday. You TPK'd the whole party. I always remember that. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I was so glad Janelle wasn't able to <laughs> sit in on that one. That would have been so embarrassing. Janelle probably would have told us, close the door! <laughs> I remember that dog. Close the door. Oh, well. That's no dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's a TPK! Ah. A trap! That was Thursday. Liz had fun. I read a book in the room. Friday! I ran Victorious, and I did a little different this year. Normally I allow people to pick from a certain list of pre-gens from some of the other the Phantasmagoria book or the characters from the back of the book. The various superheroes and villains. Well, I don't let them choose villains. But this time I did a little different. I actually had the characters from my home game for people to choose from, and I ran an adventure that I ran for them a few months ago, and I wanted to see how they would do. It was interesting. Really, really was, especially how people were playing their characters. As it was how you would expect a con game to go. <laughs> somebody kidnapped Teddy Roosevelt. Let's kill everyone! Ah, keep <laughs> killing things until we run into Teddy Roosevelt. Then we'll drag him out. Woohoo! Hey, oh, we were just saying. People oh, yeah. jump in and, and do outrageous things if they're at a convention session, and that's basically what everyone did with their characters. It's that's like, no, let's not be careful. Let's just leap in and shout and fire weapons and... And do the things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's part of the reason I wanted the video. Because I was going to get my group together, and one night instead of game, we were going to watch that, see how people played their character. Especially Glut. That was... He, he played him surprisingly accurately, though. So, big fat guy. Well, there's, there's something to be said, though, for not leaving the supervillains alive at the end. Because, I mean, <laughs> if Batman had just thrown Joker off a roof years ago, we wouldn't have all these issues. So maybe they were just preventing anybody from returning. Aha, I will return later. Moriarty, I will return from the falls. <laughs> <laughs> that just makes me think of that episode of Community where they parodied G.I. Joe. Oh, and yeah. they fought Cobra, and it's like, good work, wingman, but it looks like Destro's getting away. No, he isn't, sir. Da, 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 da. What, what are you doing? Ah, ah! <laughs> and everyone just staring at him, horrified. Like you Destro's actually killed someone. <laughs> yeah, over Destro's bloody corpse. And he's like, yo, we're not going to say it together? <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, you can't kill all the villains. 
But anyway, so that was fun. And kudos to all the guys who gained with us, including Dr. Irwin. I think it's Irwin. Did she take her husband's last name? You're asking me? I don't know. (laughs) Yes, the wife of Robin Irwin. Back on that (laughs) other podcast. Every day, every day, every day. Robin Irwin was a longtime listener, and his wife, who never gamed at all, loved listening to the podcast, too. So when he came to one of the cons, we suggested that he bring his wife next time and let her game and give it a shot. And her first game was in Victorious, playing one of the characters. Let's just say she was in full con mode. Uh-oh. Okay. Definitely. But everybody survived, so it was a good game. So she was drunk? Full con mode, yeah. <laughs> No, 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 not Saturday gaming. Not Saturday night, Friday or Saturday night gaming. It was during the day. Oh, okay. So, yeah, fun time had by all, I hope. They seem to, even though I wussed out and didn't wear my costume. Liz took up the slack, though. She wore hers. I wore a hat. Does that count? No. No? Oh, okay. Well, it's certainly when two of my players from my home game actually poked their head in during the game and they were in costume. I felt kind of bad there, but anyway. Next thing you know, we're going to have LARPing at North Texas RPG Con. No LARPing. No, no LARPing. Oh, yeah, you wait. You wait. No LARPing. Yeah. Please no LARPing. No LARPing? There was enough LARPing there. There was enough LARPing there to have this holdover for quite a while. Yeah. And it was really great, you know, when that Hellmouth opened up there at the midnight <laughs> auction and, and Corbett and as Captain Victory leapt in. and that's Lieutenant Victory. Lieutenant Captain. Victory, yeah. <laughs> was able to close the Hellmouth because I could feel the tremor in the forest. It was right at the beginning and everybody started screaming because some horrible event happened and opened up a gate to the... I'm not sure what it was, but... You're better off not knowing. Better off not knowing? (laughs) Yeah. That's what everybody said, you know? That I was so lucky I couldn't see a horrible, horrible event. Must have been cultists or something. Had to be. But, Mike, I'm pretty sure LARPing is okay, because I'm pretty sure in the bylaws for the con, it doesn't say you can't run around with a paintball gun and shoot people. (laughs) I don't know about a paintball gun. Maybe maybe a, a Nerf gun, maybe. Yeah. Hey, Killer is an 80s game. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very old school. Uh-huh. That used to cause riots. Killer was, man, Killer was fun in the 80s. When I went to college, there were people that played in college, which is one big difference between now and then. You could not do that now. Oh, college. God, yeah. you could <laughs> Run around with dart with plastic dart guns would be... Water guns. Very, very, <laughs> um, very frowned upon. Fake grenades, you know, made from... Uh, various egg eggshells and that sort of stuff. Oh, gosh, you couldn't do that. But think how exciting but, it would be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As the cops are calling, yes. <laughs> Although I just had this mental image of all of us, you know, in our 40s and 50s, staggering around down the hallways, trying to shoot at each other, and instead of running, we're, like, hobbling. And... We're, we're already in our 40s and 50s, yeah. Mike. <laughs> well, that's what I mean, you know. We're all trying to trying to do like we did in college and high school, and we're just like throwing out our hips, or yeah, it'd be like the Star Wars remake all over again. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, we actually a story when we were looking for a hotel. This is like two hotels back. We went to a really nice place in Dallas. It was actually by Love Field. We ended up doing by DFW Airport, but we met with the people, and they were kind of acting odd, and they, they asked us a lot of questions about vampires. I, I finally figured it out. I said, did you have a vampire LARP here at one point? They said, yes. 
I was like, okay, we don't do LARPing. We're just gaming. And they, they breathed a sigh of relief. Like, oh, because they said, well, then they opened up and said, we had a really horrible time last year. We had a vampire convention because there was people running around after midnight scaring our other people at the hotel. <laughs> no, we don't We do not do that. We're a bunch of old fat people and we don't <laughs> run around and do that. But yes, apparently they had a very bad incident with with a vampire LARPing convention, so they wanted to make sure that that was not our game. Yes. We had a terrible time, but we didn't want to say anything in case you were those people. Pretty much, that's what it was. They're being really careful, and then they mentioned that when I and then when I said no, they were like, "Okay, well, let's tell you about this story." So I started telling us. They're like, "Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty bad, even for vampire players." Yeah, <laughs> pretty over yeah. the top. They were, so like, yeah, that, that's a little over the top, definitely. Yeah, it's a problem with LARPs. You never know what you're getting. You may get some people who are reasonable, and well, I guess you could say that about gamers too, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. Just mostly yeah. the conventions that run anime are good for LARPs because they 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 deal with that kind of thing a lot. But when you well, talk about a... anything, yeah. So what did we do Friday night? I don't remember. Um. Was it Friday night? I I got in that discussion with Casey about modules and adventure writing. I think okay. so. Yeah. Yeah, I ran into Casey Christofferson, the guy who's written far more modules for far more companies than I can honestly name. But yeah, we just sat around and I I was afraid I was going to bore Liz because I'm just standing there with Casey talking about the perils of of modules and and adventure. I say modules, that just shows how (laughs) I am. Adventures, getting them published and what you have to do, what you don't have to do. We just finished the the 5e uh, Kickstarter for... City of Brass, written by Casey Christopherson. So that, we just think it was going on during the con. I think it was going on during the con, or it was after the con. I can't remember. That should be coming out soon. But yeah, so Sec- he, he's done some really amazing stuff for Frog Dog Game. Is that going to be available for regular purchase? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, definitely. After, the, okay. after all the Kickstarter people get their copies, it'll definitely be available. But yeah, it's a 5e version. Well, that's cool. Probably pick up a 5e version. I'd prefer a Swords and Wizardry, but. I want to give Casey credit. I just just checked, and, and there will be a Swords and Wizardry version, a separate book, but that you will be able to have your Swords and Wizardry version of City of Brass. Sweet. So Saturday. By the way, Mike, feel free to jump in to say what you were doing at those times during the con. I was. Oh God, who knows? <laughs> I was. I was busy. Busy the whole time. Oh well, Friday. Friday was the day we had our retro game at the uh, hotel. Um, so I was. I wanted to go and check it out. I, I, I had a lot of work to do at the con, but I thought that would be it. I just didn't want to miss it. So what we did was we went back. Now this was the tenth year, everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. It's our tenth anniversary. So what we did was we went back to the same hotel. We had the first cop. We had fifty-five people. It was La Quinta. And they had one one room that we were able to stick four tables in and play games. We went back to there and we rented the room again. And we t- had rented a bus. And so if you signed up, there was a small fee involved, I think $50 a person. We drove you over to the hotel. We had it set up just like it was back in the day. And I had forgotten how cramped and noisy <laughs> it is to have that many people, you know, 30 or so, 30 to 40 people in one room trying to all game. And kudos to everybody for putting up with that. People didn't, they realized how good they had it once they were in there, how good we have it now. Cause it was. And then we also catered a barbecue dinner because first year we actually had a barbecue dinner at, at Doug's house. He, everybody went over to Doug's house and had barbecue, so we had a barbecue dinner. But we ran, they actually, the people who ran games, uh, we had John Hersberger, Frank Metzer, Tim Kask, and, oh dear, who am I forgetting? Oh, Matt Finch. 
they they ran the exact same games they ran ten years ago, which is kind of cool too. Oh yeah. So we had so we had a full uh, it was all full tables, and so it was kind of cool. Doug and I just sat back and watched everything. Said, wow, we've come so far, and, you know, just checking everything out. But everybody was complaining soon. <laughs> like it's too noisy, <laughs> it's crowded. Like this is how it was. You're not paying to have a good game. You're paying <laughs> to have a you're paying to have an experience. That's right. You're paying for memories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you had been able to get that closet again, I could have and we, I could have we gotten a lot of the closet. Holmes. We ran closet the first year. We didn't have the closet this time. There was actually stuff in the closet. So we couldn't oh. run a game in the clo- in the giant You're closet. using the closet for a closet? Yeah, actually that's the right thing in the closet, so but that was oh. so that was kind of fun because we, we got to go back to where it all began and run a game there and, and it, i mean it wouldn't be my preferred way of running a game. Thank goodness we moved up to regular real hotels now. We're not doing it in the La Quinta meeting room. That's See you guys now. again in 15 years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Maybe the 20th anniversary we'll go back to La Quinta again. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, that sounds cool. I so think that, it... was, that, was, that was my Friday was doing that. And then mm-hmm. I don't remember what happened Friday night. We did a lot of booth. I did a lot of booth because I had to work the booth. I have a booth there yeah. also, besides all my duties. And I try to run and check out as many games as possible, and kind of stick my head and see how things are going. Got a Dragon magazine off you and a couple of Wargamers Digests, which I'd been missing from my collection. Yeah, I actually I had bought a pretty good collection of Dragon magazines for the con, and the, they were wiped out at the con. I, should, I guess I didn't price them high enough, but <laughs> apparently here's the market's back for old Dragon magazines because. I had a collection of like issues two through about thirty, and every single one of them. Sold. Yeah, so, I think uh, the one we got was somewhere in the teens. Oh, and I really had to angst over it because I've got the CD-ROM, so I'm like, why am I buying these things? But I did anyway. They're so cool. I mean, just all I like to just flip through them, and mm-hmm. I love the ad- I love the ads. The ads are great. But like, it's oh, not that's... like I can do that. So I'm like, why am I getting this? So I say it's for Liz. <laughs> <laughs> that that makes Liz. him feel better about it all. It does. It really does. And and she lets me, so it's nice. We had a pretty good deal room this time. Yeah. They filled it up. I think one person didn't show up, which is weird. Up until this year, we've always had an overflow. We, we had some overflow into the ballroom, the dealers, but... The dealer room had that's pretty good selections this year. Pretty good people. I I think I bought something from almost every dealer there, except for Frog God. I didn't buy anything from Frog God. Screw those guys. <laughs> yeah, because you're toting their stuff to every con. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please sell it all. They did do Pathfinder by the Town again, which is great. They sold a lot of Pathfinder. We're trying to clear out all the first edition Pathfinder before second edition comes out. Yeah. We so there's a lot of it. Frog God has quite a bit of it. So the last few conventions of work we've done Pathfinder by the town, which is a great deal. So if you see us at Game Hall this fall, I think we'll still be doing it at Game Hall. We still have some stuff left. All the Pathfinder you can eat. <laughs> so Saturday! Well, we visited people more, sat at our booth, sold a few things. Uh, we played in Taco John's game Saturday night. Right, but Saturday afternoon, Three Castles Award ceremony was done, and... Who won that? Uh, Greg Gillespie. Gillespie, finally, for a Barrow Maze. Well, no, it wasn't a Barrow Maze. It was that sequel of it. Um, Caverns of Archaea. Caverns yeah. of Archaea. Yes, which is an ha- um, interesting mega dungeon, above-ground mega dungeon, 
it's really, really good. I, and I love great stuff, so I'm, I'm not impartial in this one. Yeah, I loved Barrel Maze 1 and 2, and for me, the hang-up always is, I so love this, and I'd so like to run it, but nobody ever really wants to play Mega Dungeons anymore. Yeah, that, well, well, what's, what's good about Forbidden Caverns is that he basically created about 40 different... It's kind of like uh, Caves of Chaos. You go to this area, and there's all these ca- above-ground caves... And so it's more like a collection of, la- of layers. Right, exactly. Collection of layers in this valley, kind of this valley. You go down there, and there's this collection of layers. And so if you want to, you can do the kind of the B2, keep the boiling thing, and work your way from the kobolds to the goblins to the whatever. And then sometimes oh, okay. you might accidentally step into the wrong cave. And whoops, there's you know there's trolls and an ogre. We're in trouble. You know, so... <laughs> So he, yeah, so it's it, it, I like the way it was working. It's very easy to just kind of just sit down in any campaign and pull pieces out of it. That's what I'm always looking at is stuff that you can repurpose for other you know other purposes. My question is, how did he get the trophy on the plane? We had to ship that later. It's so gigantico. Yeah. But yeah. So we shipped it later, so it worked. It worked out pretty. Uh, he got it, and it wasn't damaged, so I I, I did a good job of shipping as always. Okay. Cool. And, but yeah, we had to ship it to to Canada. I don't know if we insured it because their fees are monstrous, but those trophies are like $900, $800, I don't know. So to clear value, I think that he would have got killed by the Vought tax. Yeah. Uh, so we may have just put 50 bucks, <laughs> 50 bucks on it and hope it, hope it didn't break on the fingers. way there. Yeah. <laughs> don't break. Please don't. <laughs> Well, congrats to Greg for that. He yeah, he joined the club along with uh, you one year before less, so you were yeah. able to get a secret handshake as he won. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no one told us what the secret handshake was. Yeah. One of us. One of us. Well, Liz, you us. don't know the secret handshake. Oh. Mike knows the handshake. I, I would tell you, but it's a secret. But that was fun. And then we got in Taco John's game with Ben and some other guys, which they were kind of very con-oriented, too, even more than we were, which made for an interesting game. And then the Midnight Auction. Dum, Satan dum, dum. Run by Satan himself. And it was it, it was it was a Midnight Auction, wasn't it? It was definitely it, after it hours. It definitely was. It yes. definitely was. And like I said, you know, that, that horrible ride at the beginning when your brother, you know, came up and, and suddenly the Hell's Gate opened up. Yeah, so we had this skit worked out where I usually do the midnight auction and my pals, Lloyd Metcalf, as you might know, RPG artist, old school artist, mm-hmm. and he's done some of his old products. He helps me out. Lloyd's just a great guy. You know, we both kind of have the same weird sense of humor. And so he usually helps me out. Well, last year he couldn't make the con, so Robert, my brother Robert, filled in for him. So this year, Lloyd was back, and so we had this funny idea. How about if I fired Robert right at the beginning and told him to get out of there, and then Lloyd comes up and Lloyd's my assistant again. And so the the skit was going to be, that was planned, was that I say something, and he stands up and drops his pants. He's got Speedos on. You know, I tell him to get out of here. You know, we don't want your kind here, and we throw him out. And Lloyd, come on up, and Lloyd comes up. Um, he improvised a bit, and he did. Embellished. Yes, and he got on the chair and danced for a while. <laughs> To, AC, to ACDC's Highway to Hell. <laughs> and, at, and at that point, it was the Highway to Hell. <laughs> yep, and then the hell's... No speed limits. It was the highway. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Corbett, for closing, you know, as Lieutenant Vickery closing that <laughs> hell's mouth after, after that horrible ride opened it. 
I, I had people coming up afterwards pat me on the back and said, you lucky bastard. You were by far the luckiest man in that room. That, <laughs> anybody in there would have traded places with you. Like, ah! I, 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 I was up next to him. I couldn't see the full horror because I was staring at the audience, but but somebody very helpfully taped it that I got to watch it later. And at that point, <laughs> my, my eyes started bleeding like everybody else's eyes. So. Yeah, we I, were sitting in the front row. It was like, ah, ah. Oh, <laughs> He'd actually trimmer in the force. He'd actually stuffed his speedo full of items, also, so it was yeah. even more horrifying than imagine. Dollar bills. Yeah, that would have been preferable. So uh, we threw, so we threw him out. So I threw him out, then Lloyd came up, and then everything yeah. went, went his plan from then on. But that was that was why you just have to hire professional help, you know, because if you hire unprofessional help, they just end up improvising on you. Crazy things happen. I do have a small comment about the auction, though. <laughs> We need a rule. Bill Webb cannot buy more than half the stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> so the midnight auction, it's we, we have we have a regular auction, which is the Saturday, and it's collectible items. We had some amazing collectibles this year. We had some really good stuff. Some of it's like donated. Well, we had a picture, um, a limited edition by Diesel of uh, he drew the cover of the Greyhawk supplement, and he actually got Greg Bell, who was the original artist, to sign it. And Greg Bell is. Is very he's hard to get to sign anything. He's just he's totally out of game at this point. Older man. He got to sign. It was signed by Diesel and Greg Bell, and there was only I think ten copies. Ended up selling for about fifteen hundred dollars. And then oh. we had we had a couple of uh, pictures that were their artwork that was painted by uh, Jeff Easley at the con. He used house paints to paint it. And one oh, yeah, for, yeah, he was one went for down almost, the hall from us, wasn't he? He painted them during the con. One went for over three thousand dollars. And I think the other one went for a thousand, so that was a bargain. But we had some shrink wrapped, a lot of shrink wrapped uh, items. Uh, T one through four signed by Frank Metzger. We had a lot of signed things, just just uh, just interesting stuff. So we do that, and then uh, I was lucky enough. I was helped out by Alex Kamer, who also runs Game Hole Con. He helped me quite a bit. And he has an auction at his convention too, and so he helped me. But then midnight auction is for all the stuff that's just not really good enough to be auctioned during the mid during the regular auction. It's kind of like the garbage that's laying around the warehouse, and we just throw it in a box, and then we're like, "Hey, you know, somebody might pay for this garbage if we if we market it correctly." They might. Yeah, so garbage went for over five hundred bucks. <laughs> we had some really just. I mean, I always I make sure there's certain things like I always auction a copy of um, Rona Jaffe's Mazes and Monsters, the book and the DVD. So that's yeah. just like a, an annual tradition. Yeah, uh, for people who aren't familiar, the auction Saturday night originally got started off a satanic panic theme from back in the 80s. And we had some satanic panic this time. We actually had a small pile of books that came from the TSR archives, and they were stamped with TSR archives that all had to do with Satan. And so I can only think that these were bought as reference, because uh, <laughs> uh, in, in the back, each... Index was marked at the parts where Dungeons and Dragons was mentioned in the book about satanic stuff in gaming. So that, those were kind of interesting curios. Probably so nobody like a reporter or something or an interviewer would gotcha them with it. Sure, there was so, a, yeah, that way they would say, oh, we've yes, we read Satan, the Satanic Panic of 1982 or whatever, and yes, we we read that. So we the know truth that. about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> But we have, we just have stuff, and so every year we we have a special sec section where we try to get someone at the con. This year it was Alex Kamer, 
we had a bag that was supposedly left behind last year. We couldn't figure out who it was. Of course, everything in there was taco-oriented because Alex Kamer is a huge taco aficionado. And so we had we had a old Taco Bell T-shirts from 1990s, <laughs> a Taco Princess diary that had writing in it that I guess Alex wrote. I don't know who might have written it, but it was pretty funny. That was that was my favorite part of the convention because the look on Alex's face it just everybody was laughing so hard because that stuff that I pulled out of the bag was hilarious. Uh, some of the taco oriented uh, gimmies in the bag were just over the top. So. And he and he bid five hundred dollars for it because that's the kind of stuff you don't want to fall in anybody else's hands. <laughs> Actually, the, the Taco Princess diary was quite was quite revealing, and I'm sure he didn't want that to fall in anybody else's hands because there was quite a few interesting entries in that that I read aloud. And the money all goes for the oh, yeah, it's the all for the con. It so, goes to the con. Yeah. We, we do we do have some commission stuff during the regular auction, but for the most part, um, Roy does auction a few pieces of his artwork. During the midnight auction, we let him keep 100% of that because he's a good dude and he helps us out. But other than that, yeah. yes, it, it all goes back to running the con. And so and people o- overbid like... on really lousy, are really weird stuff. They really overbid on stuff, but but they I think they know it's to help the con. So you know, it's, yeah. it's all right. And considering the stuff Lloyd's had to do up there on the stage oh. with you, he deserves the, <laughs> to sell that art. We didn't have a well. One thing, well, we didn't have to have him act out any sex games, which is we have done that in the past uh, with Lloyd, and that didn't that's what we did Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> we forget. Oh, that's right. Adventures. Yes, Michael Curtis ran his special version of the of the bedroom adventures game. <laughs> well, why don't you cover that one, Liz? Chickabow. Oh. <laughs> Well, several years ago, during one of the midnight auctions, they had a board, well, it's not really a board game, but it was a boxed RPG supposedly for couples. It's supposed to be romantic, and I'm guessing it was based off of some period romance novel. And we were watching the bidding, and at one point, Michael Curtis was in the crowd, and he says very loudly... If anyone buys this game, I promise I will run it at the next con. So this started a bidding war between Mike and I, and I do not remember who the other couple was right at the moment. It's been a few years. But anyway, we figured if we got it, um, I have a good friend. She loves romance novels. And her husband is a gamer, like we are. It's like, this would be a perfect gag Christmas gift for the two of them. (laughs) So we wound up getting the game. And unfortunately, Michael Curtis could not attend next year's North Texas Con, so he wasn't going to be able to run the game. I think the year after that, Mike and I actually managed to make it to a Gary Con, and we saw Mike Curtis there, and we reminded him, it's like, you promised you would run this. And he's like, oh, God, I can't believe you still remember that. (laughs) (laughs) But he was finally able to come back to North Texas this past year, and he kept his promise. I'm sure he wasn't too keen on it, but he did it, and kudos for him. Um, He put together a version of the game that... If anyone remembers him running the Dallas RPG a few years back, like the Dallas game, he set this one in the far future, and instead of being on a like an 18th 
you know, 17th century galleon on the ocean. We're on a starship instead. All of this, you know, stuff is going on. And he managed to utilize all of the pieces of the box game, you know, the spinner and everything, but with his own version of the rules and altered uh, storyline and it worked surprisingly well. We all had a lot of fun. Everybody was just laughing and having a great time. But Mike and I, because it was billed as a bedroom adventure, we <laughs> went to the game dressed in pajamas and you know, <laughs> pajamas, <laughs> robe, you know, bathrobes. You know, I had on a pair of bunny slippers, and you know, we were dressed like we were getting ready to to go to sleep. <laughs> it clearly said bedroom adventures. <laughs> Michael Curtis could run a game of Candyland, and he could make it amazing because the guy's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it was a ton of fun. Liz, you should have read the bylaws. No LARPing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, nobody stopped us. Yeah, and we weren't LARPing, we were playing ourselves. That's right. <laughs> we looked like we had just rolled out of bed. Because we had, and... Uh, I so should have gotten a Scrooge hat. I, I really wanted to wear a <laughs> Scrooge hat, but I waffled too long and, and didn't have time at the ends. Oh, well. So, yes, three games we were in, one way or the other. And then Sunday, where we did... Nothing! Virtu virtually nothing, except lose a sale of several books because we couldn't handle credit cards. Yeah, <sighs> speaking of being in the 19th century... <laughs> yeah! <laughs> We do not have the ability to swipe credit cards and stuff because I'm one of the last people on the planet, apart from the Amish, who does not have a smartphone. So Doug and I flip phones forever. <laughs> Solidarity, <laughs> Doug. <laughs> but yeah, Sunday, Sunday was a good day. We didn't see Lieutenant Victory, so I guess she left without saying goodbye. But you know, well, after like, the hell, like the smart. shadow he is, he just yes doesn't want the adulation simply yeah. the knowledge of a job well done that was awesome we can't wait to see what you do as lieutenant victory next year corbett they, but we will see i have to <laughs> see i, I have corbett's my going, i can't wait to see either <laughs> <laughs> or corbett could just show up to the con that is the plan Every that year, is, every that, that is a possibility every single year since the last three years i have bought a ticket <laughs> yeah whether and i make it or not are, I've got one. And, and people were asking us, James Spahn and several others, where's Corbett? Uh, he didn't make it this year. It's probably because Corbett, I owe them money. Don't, don't buy a ticket this year because our policy has always been if you don't use your ticket, it's good forever. So if you bought multiple tickets, you don't need to buy a ticket. Oh. Although that is the way you can, well, although that is the only way you can sign up for games. It's like, they yeah, how would he manage to get on to tabletop? Uh, would he have to talk to you uh, or Doug no, about talk, getting oh. the previous ticket? Yeah, yeah know, not, not me. Doug, Doug can let him in. Talk, if you want to come next year, Corbin, just call Doug. Like I yeah. said, I've already bought my ticket. I've got it. <laughs> oh, you want to the next year? <laughs> okay. We'll arrange some kind of ceremony for there you. There are only 360 <laughs> left. The time ticker <laughs> is running, people. <laughs> well, the best the best deal in gaming is our con and buying a ticket early. Because I don't have early we bought ticket, our tickets. I bought mine for Whoa. 2019, so I don't know what you've done, Mike. But <laughs> Ooh, I bought ouch. ouch. I can't log on as you. You have to log on through Tabletop yourself. 
Because I did try to buy for both of us when they first switched over to tabletop, and it would not let me buy tickets for people other than me. Well, I guess I better get on there and do it then. What we do is we have early bird sales until I think the beginning of September, and it's about $15 off. But the great part is even if you don't go – if you. If you think you can go buy a ticket, because we honor tickets forever. Doug keeps a ridiculously detailed record of who has and who hasn't bought tickets. And we've had people show up two years later and say, hey, can I come? And we look at the list, like, yep, you bought a ticket two years ago. Come on in. So the only thing you can't do is you can't, uh, if you want to go on an old ticket, is you can't sign up for games and we'll take them. And I bet there's some way Doug could set that up for you on the side. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so- there's, there's, there's no excuse not to buy the early bird ticket and get the $15 off. So if you're pretty certain you're going to be going in 2030, buy a ticket now, <laughs> and then you avoid the price inflation hike. costs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Probably avoid Doug and I, too, with our health issues. <laughs> <laughs> 2030. Nice yeah. to know. Yeah. Let's see. Ah, we'll all be around. Yeah, buy the tickets because it goes up again after September, and then I think that the final jump is in March or, or April after we, after we open the website for games. and. Uh, and then the full cost is $85, $80 for the whole weekend, $85. But yeah, the early bird ticket's the best way to go on that one. Also, that there's a time when you allow people to sign up for games, sort of an early bird for mm-hmm. extra fees. Yeah, what? I don't know. That's usually when we get a few games. I don't know if we have too many games submitted yet. But we, we, one of the things we do is we, we had some complaints in years past because when we open up um, sign up, which is April 15th, some of the games fill up like within a minute, and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. and plus, and then Doug also has it at midnight. God knows why. And so <laughs> it's at midnight. So if you're not awake at midnight and you don't jump right on, you don't get a game. So what we did a few years ago is half the tickets for any game are available for pre-purchase for five dollars each. So you can actually buy if you not don't think you're going to get into a game, you could buy a ticket early. Now I don't I don't know when the early ticket sales go on. I don't know when they go on sale, but it would be later on this year, I believe. So you have games at the moment of the con, too, that just pop up. Sure. Oh, yeah. And those are great, too. Oh, yeah. Pickup games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We also have something uh, something that we don't advertise too much. We have a, a golden ticket. Each each day we have a gold. We have two. We have one for each session, one for morning, one for evening. I want to say they're $50. But a golden ticket means you buy it and you can walk in. You don't have to sign up for a game that's that session. You just walk up and say, I'm going to be in this game. And you're and you're in whether, that game. The DM has you to like it or not. <laughs> well, we, wow. we had some DMs go. Well, I don't want to let somebody in, but that's the deal. Is you get to go, you get to come in if you buy the golden ticket. We've we've sold several golden tickets over the years. People that are just have too much money, or they're just too lazy to sign up for, to pre-sign <laughs> up, and they're just like, yeah, I'll just buy a golden ticket for Saturday night. And just so go into whatever game I want. I've been running games at this con for ten years. And this is the first time I've heard of this. We, we usually sell, believe it or not, we usually <laughs> sell out of these things, which is crazy. Well, but I'm kind of glad because if somebody had come up and said, well, you got to let me in the game. I got a golden ticket. I would have said, sod off. Yeah, golden ticket. <laughs> I don't know what the hell you're yeah. <laughs> That's hey, a Willy lie. Mocha what a crap. <laughs> what a crappy fake name that is. Yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. No, they don't have that here. Yes, we do. We do have, it's on the site. If you look on the site, we do have golden tickets available. as for Okay. Purchase. They actually, if you go to the tabletop gaming, we have T-shirts, swag, golden tickets. I mean, whatever. I, I don't know what's up right now. I have to check it out. And see what's up right now. I think we still have T-shirts on sale from this year, which is one of the one of the gimmicks we did this year for our tenth anniversary. Is we had ten different shirts made by ten different artists. We had one by Darlene, Jeff Easley, Larry Elmore, Errol Otis, Lloyd Metcalf, 
Jason Braun, Janelle Jaquay. So they're all and they're all really, really, they're all really good. Really Collect them all. Yeah, I, I've got like I don't have as many as I like. I have a I think I've got. Let's see, I've got a Jason Braun, a Janelle, an Arrow Otis, and I L an Elmore. So yeah, I've got quite a few of myself. But, but yeah, those are. I think those are still on sale for a while. I'm gonna check right now while you are talking. Okay. Well, get the Darlene shirt. Yeah, the Darlene shirt was really nice. She did a great job on hers. She really did. All right. Well, I want to thank you for coming on to the show, Bad Mike. Thanks for having me. I wish I was. I haven't didn't really talk too much about the show because I, I guess I'm assuming everybody knows about it. But we're a small convention and we cut off attendance at 500. This year we only had about 450, so we we had quite a bit of wiggle room there. And we never want to be bigger than 500, so we've always said that 500 is as much as you're gonna. Um, yeah. I guess one thing I should ask before we let you go, are there any plans that you can talk about this early on? Any big plans that you and Doug may have for future North Texas cons? Things that you want to do but you haven't managed to get them in motion yet? Well, last year we had so many ideas because we wanted to do a whole bunch of stuff for our 10th anniversary. And so we, we had a lot of stuff planned having to do with the dice bags and the, and the T-shirts. But this year... The only thing we've talked about is we'd love to have miniature battles. We'd love to have some miniatures, and I think we've talked to two different people. I think we're going to have some chain mail next year, which is one thing we mm. we want to do for a while. I, I think I want to say Marshall for her and ran a game. Gosh, at our fifth convention, at our fifth anniversary convention, it, it was a, it was a Middle Earth. I want to say it was a Middle Earth miniature game, but this I think next year we're going to try to accommodate that because I, that's that's really cool. Most people have not seen a really Old school, authentic, giant miniature battle uh, they used to have back in the 70s when they had chain mail and a lot of other games like that. So I think we're going to try to do that this year. So I'm going to kind of see how that looks when you have you know, that would be cool. 500, 500 painted, 500 painted minis and you know, oh, big frame set up. And so we're we talked to Marshall and Marshall may we may have to may have him running something. So that's the only thing I can think of. We really talked about offhand. We were just so exhausted this year after. This <laughs> oh, I know one thing. With the, you know what was a big hit this year? We had um, we had food trucks, and they yeah. were a huge, huge hit. So we're going to do more food trucks and more variety of food trucks next year. I think Ooh. that oh, will cool. be awesome. Yeah, they, they were re- the ones we had. We only had one each day, but they were a huge, huge hit. So all right. Oh wait, uh, what are you going to do for the people that suck? <laughs> <laughs> well. Like me, you want to be there, something comes up. It seems like the last two years I've had an awkward situation that has made it to where I can't go. You got any plans for like a, you know, hey, you want to watch this uh, this presentation oh, online? or Yeah. Here's the deal with the live stream. We used to live stream the con, but the, when we moved to the West End, one of the few flaws they have is their internet is sucks. It's terrible. <laughs> and so we, we're not able to live stream anything from the con, so that... Unfortunately, that was something that a lot of people looked forward to because they were able to turn on their their computer and flip to the site. They could watch, you know, people gaming and walking around. I know that guy. What's that guy doing there? And that guy has his shirt off and whatever. <laughs> no, no, Mike, yeah. it's retro. <laughs> it's retro internet. But yes, but we couldn't. We we haven't been able to do it the last couple of years. Doug tried to set up a router this year and it didn't. Or last year it didn't work. So unfortunately, there's not much we can do with that. We do have NTRPGCon publications for sale. We uh, publish, I think, three or four modules. So if you wanted to buy something that everybody there was buying, the only thing we sold out of, we made a copy of the Palace of the Vampire Queen original version 
Mm. We had permission from Peter Karras to do that. We only made 100 copies. We did yes. sell out of that. I but have we have several other items that should be up. I'm looking right now. They're not in the NTRPGCon store, but will hopefully be in the NTRPG store later. We have a BX module written by Charlie Fitz, Tom Wilson, and myself. It was very popular. popular. We're probably going to sell out of it eventually. We have a Digest Adventure by Lloyd Metcalf, and we have a Digest reprinting of um, the Book of Treasure Maps from Judge Steel, Mission Janelle Jaquais, and... Um, uh, Bob Bledsoe Jr. And um, if you so. like Judges Guild, I'm, <laughs> I've heard that a certain Mike Badalato may can set you up with some. One or two. Yeah, he's got a few modules. And, and well, now that I just throw this out there. If you are a Judges Guild fan, Frog God is going to release Teagle Manor for 5th edition. Uh, hopefully later this year. Oh my. Uh, I think it's finished. There, there will probably be a Swords and Wizardry conversion also for that. Yes! Mm. So who did the who did the update? That was a I don't uh, Bill worked hard on that. Bill did a lot of extra okay. stuff, and he that's one of his favorite modules of all time. Oh yes, yeah. We we, we have a very strong Judges Guild attachment because we have Bob Bledsoe Jr. every year, and, and and we have Frog God Games who has published a lot of uh, Judges Guild stuff, and we also have Goodman Games who Goodman Games have done some really good conversions in the past mm-hmm. too, and actually some reprints also. So. Uh, we have some really, really strong Judges Guild ties, but yeah, Tico Manor this year, which we pretty, uh, I don't know when though, probably later on this year. We'll keep everybody updated on that then, because I'll want to grab one of those myself. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks again for coming over and this. Thanks for having me on. Anybody wants to check out www.ntrpgcon.com, or you can go to our Facebook page, which is North Texas RPG Con, and it's a public group, and you can join that. We have that, that's probably where we have the, the most information updated the quickest is the Facebook page. And we're pretty active on the Facebook page. There's quite a few people that post there, so check that out and follow the links, and and uh, see, we'll see you in 2019. If you like old school gaming, it's the place for you. All right. Well, I guess that sounds us out then. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I will talk okay. to you all later. And we'll see you sooner or later in Denton again. All probably. right. Okay, bye. Bye. The Save for Half Podcast is a production of the Mud Puppy Games Network and the Gagman Podcast. The Save for Half theme music is provided by the band Mississippi Bones. You can find them at mississippibones.bandcamp.com. All player characters mentioned in this podcast are fictional, and any resemblance to PCs living or dead is purely coincidental. No NPCs were armed in the making of this podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Save for Half. Oh, God. The secret of Toilet Green isn't cinnamon. It isn't cinnamon. Totally unrelated to gaming? Mm.
Uh, but I just uh, I figured I'd let you know because it's really neat and weird. Yeah. Uh, my son has a pet turtle, which he's had for eight years. It was, a, it was roughly eight years old when we got it. So it's a 16-year-old turtle. Uh-huh. It's been in a cage by itself for eight years. It just laid eggs. Okay. Nature found a way. <laughs> wow, that's actually a little creepy. Welcome to Turtle Park. <laughs> Spare no expense. <laughs> no, the turtles are charging us. <laughs> it's it's an immaculate conception. <laughs> the turtle god has come down and <laughs> Hey, it's Salamander Jesus from uh, Drawn Together. That's right. Frog god. Everybody knows Salamander Jesus is the only real guy. 